Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Welcome to our fifth and final week on our Free Methodist Way series. Uh, As we have said over the course of these several weeks, I hope that you're getting a good sense of the larger values of who we are as Free Methodists. And uh, it's been a really fun, it's been really fun, I think, to kind of walk through these. The other thing that I'm very thankful about is that these values, as we've looked at all of these values, not only represent well who we are as a larger denominational family, but there's elements and aspects of each of these that are essential to what it means to follow Jesus. And I hope that you're experiencing that as well, because that can be challenging and they can push us uh, as in just our daily lives. And so I'm, I'm thankful for that. So far, we have looked at these four things, life-giving holiness, Christ-centered multiplication, love-driven justice, and cross-cultural collaboration. <coughs> Excuse me. If you've missed any of these, you can go back to our website and you can, you can watch those messages. You could read through all of the resources. Like we've said each week, uh, our denomination, our, our leaders write an article and provide resources for each of these. And each of these weeks here have been really, uh, have, have taken a lot from those resources from the denomination. And so you can get all of that there. Today we're going to end with one that may seem more obvious uh, as, as, as we follow Jesus as free Methodists and just even as Christians, but it's good. And I'm so glad that, that our denominational leaders decided to include it. Uh, today we're looking at God-given revelation. We're looking at this thing right here. You have one maybe in your hands or if you have a device or, you know, nowadays it's just, uh, there's lots of great ways to get access to a Bible. If you don't have one, we can get you one or we can tell you where to download one. Uh, and we're, uh, it's, it's really great. So I want to just state from, from the beginning that we take scripture seriously. And I hope you experience that in our regular weekly teaching and resources. We take scripture seriously. And uh, in the article that they wrote on, or that Bishop Matt Whitehead wrote on God-given revelation, he says this, we live in a culture where we need to be clear about our commitment to fully align our lives and our movement on the unshakable foundation of God's word. Amen, right? We hold unwaveringly to the conviction that the Bible is the inspired word of God. As with any foundation, it is necessary to the strength and stability of our movement. Without our strong foundation, we would crumble. And so today we understand we're looking about a number of things about how the Bible is our foundation, but the Bible is the primary way that God reveals himself to us. This collection of 66 books is beloved to us and important to our daily lives. Amen? (laughs) This is one where you're going to, I hope it's inspiring to you, even though we know these things. Uh, So the Free Methodists, we take scriptures seriously, and I want to read for you our official statement on our approach to scripture. This is going to sound a little bit more formal and theological, but it's important for us to hear. So you will see it on the screen Uh, And it goes, here's our statement on the Bible. The Bible is God's written word, uniquely inspired by the Holy Spirit. It bears unerring witness to Jesus Christ, the living word. As attested by the early church and subsequent councils, it is the trustworthy record of God's revelation, completely truthful in all it affirms. It has been faithfully preserved and and proves itself true in human experience. 
The scriptures have come to us through human authors who wrote as God moved them in the languages and literary forms of their times. God continues by the illumination of the Holy Spirit to speak through his word to each generation and culture. The Bible has authority over all human life. It teaches the truth about God, his creation, his people, his one and only son, and the destiny of humankind. It also teaches the way of salvation and the life of faith. Whatever is not found in the Bible nor can be proved by it is not to be required as an article of belief or as necessary to salvation. I don't know if you've ever read that before as part of kind of our official statement of scripture, but I love it. Isn't it great? It gets me excited. And I know it can sound a little bit more formal and and more theological. These kinds of statements are super important for us. But what it does is it excites me um, and it increases my love for the Bible and what it says about how we approach it and who Jesus is and how we fit into that story. A few weeks ago, uh, when we looked at Christ-compelled multiplication, we recognized that um, one of the ways that we can be people who pass on what the faith that we've received from God is to rekindle a love for Jesus. And, I, and maybe you remember that, that that's a really important aspect of, of just wanting to pass on the faith that we've received, is to be so in love with Jesus that we want other people to experience that same thing. Uh, And we we aspire to be so in love with Jesus that we long to see other people experience the grace, the mercy, and the love of God. And this is how I feel about this statement and feel about scripture is I want people to experience the word like I've experienced the word so that they can uh, have a relationship, a dynamic, empowering relationship with the God of all creation, amen? And we get a picture of what the God of all creation is like in the pages of this book. So please hear me clearly, I love the scripture. (laughs) I I love that we have this collection of books that maps for us the story of God, that shows us his character, his nature, and what the salvation of humanity looks like. We get to know God, we get to see God's work in the world and in history. We get to watch the story of humanity's rescue that started back at the very beginning of the story humanity's rescue and the story of salvation in the world unfold before our eyes in the pages of this book. And not only that, we get to hear over and over God's invitation for us to be part of the story, for us to enter into what he's doing. You and I are invited into the pages of scripture and get to be in relationship with a God who reveals himself. And it will change your life. Amen? (laughs) We know this to be true. We get to be experienced, we get to experience and be witnesses to the powerful movement of God through the story that we read in these pages. And I'm so, so thankful for that. Now, while all of that may be incredibly exciting for you and me and for those of us who have followed Jesus, Uh, Maybe you're here this morning or you're watching online and and you're exploring the faith. One of the things that we need to come to, we need to realize is that what we consider to be just normal, uh, known parts of this book are becoming less and less known in our culture, generally speaking. Uh, This hasn't always been the case. But listen to the statistic. This might shock you. According to the State of the Bible 2020 report released by the American Bible Society and the Barna Group, U.S. adults who said that they regularly read the Bible daily dropped 
from 14% in 2019, which that alone to me when I read that was shocking. I thought it was going to, I thought it was more than 19% uh, of people who would engage with the Bible on a regular basis. But in, in uh, the, the, the daily average dropped from 14% in 2019 to 9% in 2020, according to this report. That's shocking, isn't it? Maybe that's shocking, generally speaking. We know that this might be more the case in the Pacific Northwest, uh, more than in other parts of the country. But uh, this, this, this concept that's called biblical illiteracy, that is just not kn- knowing the stories of Scripture, is, is growing in our culture and in our country. In his book, Post-Christian Jim, a post-Christendom, Church and Mission in a Strange New World, author Stephen Murray writes that we live in a culture in which cent- the central figures of the Christian story, sorry, the central features of the Christian story are unknown and churches are alien institutions whose rhythms do not normally impinge on most members of society. Yikes. <laughs> I do not like that quote. It's a, it's a quote that I read. This book was written quite a while ago. I read this back in seminary. And it's kind of a fascinating thing. We need to come to grips, if we haven't already, that this is true for our society. It's a heartbreaking statement. But uh, we, and we need to come to grips with that. And I just want to r- remind you, we are theologically optimistic people. And so even though this is true of our society and our culture and it's becoming more and more true, our commitment is to internalize these scriptures, let it change our heart, our lives, our minds, and then let that transformation make a difference in the lives of people around us. Amen? That's our commitment, that we believe this is life-changing stuff right here as we encounter God, and we can live a transformed life that actually changes and transforms people and the culture around us. Amen? So even though uh, this is less and less generally known in our, in our larger cultural context, we can do something about it, and God can make a difference. So I hope that you hear that. We want to share with the world in a way that connects with their hearts to the beautiful story that we have of a loving God and invitation to new life. So are you with me? Let's do this together. Let's let's continue to to realize our passionate love for this story. Part of our discipleship pathway that we've talked about so much is to let the scripture change us and then to invite people into a process of letting it change them as well in ways that really make sense. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says, all scriptures are God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We know this, most of us know this, this scripture fairly well and that's what this Bible does for us. So I want to highlight a couple of things that Bishop White had highlighted in his article. He encourages us to embrace six vital truths about Scripture. And don't worry, I'm only going to preach on about 30 minutes for each of these six, okay? I know. Usually you try like, you know, we know people can, can remember about three things generally for, for about two weeks. And then it's gone. So do your best. This is going to be good stuff. Uh, scripture, the first thing is this. Scripture can be trusted, number one. 
The Bible is not just a collection of human thoughts. It contains the revelation of God's thoughts and God's way and God's story. The scriptures came from God's heart as he guided and inspired the human authors in different contexts and in different circumstances to reflect God's great story and plan for salvation for all humanity. 2 Peter 1, 20-21 says this, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The inspiration of the, of the word is an incredible aspect of what we have in this collected book of 66 scripture books. The wonderful reality of scripture is that the intent of, is God's intent to be made known through the variety of biblical writers over time and space. It's an incredible thing that we have. We can trust, uh, as we trust the scriptures in our day, uh, in our day, it is vital that we trust in God's intent to reveal himself, not our own work in this. God, this was inspired by God. We can trust that. We may be uh, passionate about various things and issues that come along as we read the scripture, but we trust in God's word to shape and form those passions. Passion is best framed in the truth, and truth is revealed through God's word. The second thing is that scripture is our foundation. Now, we all understand, actually, we, all, we understand foundations as what you build things on top of. Foundations are incredibly important. Uh, they're critically important, and our teaching and doctrine are built solidly on the foundation of the Scripture itself. And I hope you hear that. I said this already, but I hope you hear that each week in our weekly messages as you engage with the weekly resources, that our teaching, our foundation comes from Scripture and the truth that we find about our revealed God in there. Writing in 1887, B.T. Roberts, the initial founder of the Free Methodist Movement, writes uh, this important truth about our foundation. The Bible is a wonderful book. The more we read it, the more we enjoy it. We always find in it something new. It is a field, the fertility of which increases the longer and the more thoroughly it's cultivated. The more there is taken from it, the more it is capable of yielding. It is a mind which grows richer and richer the more it is worked. Moses gave Israel the law. When Moses gave Israel the law of God, he clearly stated how important it was to let God's words impact their daily living as a foundation. In Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9, it says this These commandments I give you for today are to be upon your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. That's a pretty thorough picture of what life, what you should, how you should build your life upon, on the truth of God's word, right? Scripture uh, is the foundation of all that we do. Its stories should impact our daily lives and how we think and act and treat people in the world around us. One of the ways that I love watching this happen is with my kids. 
Maybe you've had this experience as well with your kids or grandkids or people that you've worked with. It's really fun when I get to hear my kids talk about some of the stories that they're learning. Number one, you see their fascination. You're like, oh, I love that. It kind of reminds you, like, I need to be that fascinated about Scripture, right? And number two, I love when we actually get to see that the stories of Scripture shape how they interact in the world. We had this really great, uh, Addison has a really great story this last week of how she was really sensitive to someone who was maybe newer to the faith and, and wondering about how comfortable she was talking about stories from the Bible. And it was this really cool moment between Addison and a friend. I love when we see the, uh, in our kids that scripture becoming the foundation uh, that they experience in their life and that shaping how they interact in the world. That's incredible. Next couple, the next one that Bishop Matt um, highlights for us, and this is one we might not like as much, but that scripture disciplines us. One of the reasons that we must be people of God's word is that our thinking and reasoning can sometimes become very selfish and self-centered, right? Part of the story of scripture is the whole rescue, God's rescue plan got started because we were like, yeah, we're going our own way, God. We're going to turn this way and go this direction, right? And God we have to have correction and we have to have discipline. And sometimes that's not necessarily a very uh, fun experience. But we need the perspective of God's word to help us see the world and ourselves more clearly, especially as we try our best to live in the way that God's called us to live. Amen? This is what we've been trying to talk about in our discipleship pathway. We're going to say this is, we want this process to be okay. We're, even though it's not comfortable, we're going to say we're in for this. We understand, I think, this idea, especially again if you've been a parent or grandparent or helped raise kids or been a part of kids' lives. At times we need to discipline them in a way that helps them grow and learn giving them tools to face the world around them. We don't do this because we do this out of love, even though it's not always a fun experience if you're the one disciplining or the one receiving the discipline. Scripture does this for, our, uh, for us as well, especially when we lose our way. One of the most famous passages about this is from John 15. I love John 15. It says this, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Ouch. I don't like that Jesus, right? Can you just not do that part? Uh, He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more fruit. Even that is not such a fun experience sometimes. You have already been pruned and purified by the message that I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Transformation and change often take root out of discipline, right? Transformation and change often take root uh, as, as we have this experience, maybe not a fun experience, where we learn what it means to follow God. Maybe we're redirected. We must be willing to mature and grow while always remaining tender-hearted toward the word of God. And that's maybe the tension that we have to live, live in and learn to live with. Is that we know God's loving direction sometimes redirects us. And so we have to stay tender-hearted to that process. The Bible can correct and convict us as we trust in scripture. If it is our foundation, we learn that God disciplines to help us grow and become more and more like him. Amen? The next thing is that scripture can correct our errors. 
Uh, This starts from the very beginning of the story again when humanity decided not to follow the way of God and how he had set things up to work. Scripture helps reveal to us, most specifically, the error of our sin uh, and then guides us on a path uh, back toward God's direction. That's what redemption is, right? We recognize the error of our ways and then we participate with God as we return to him and he redeems our way, our life. God getting us directed, redirected on the right path is this correction for us. Bishop Matt writes this, but it doesn't stop there. The scriptures are the foundation to correct error in the church as well. From cover to cover, the Old Testament and New Testament, the Bible calls us out of error into alignment with God's truth. And I'm so thankful for this. This is having a perspective to see that the scripture works as, for us as individuals, as a community, the cross, uh, Crossview Church, but as a church in, as a whole, the larger global family of Christian faith, the Bible helps direct all of that. Isn't that amazing? Incredible. I love it. So we know the Bible reveals to us the heart of God and reveals to us our errors, and we know this by reading and studying the Bible and working out our beliefs in the company of trusted sisters and brothers here and now and over time. It is, it's incredible as it works together. Bishop Matt makes the point that information is acquired as we study the word of God, but correction happens when we let the word of God study us, <laughs> all right? Just opening ourselves fully to what God has to say to us, no matter what it is, trusting scripture as our foundation, trusting that it reveals to us who God is. I love that scripture works that way. Bishop Matt goes on to say the correction of scripture, again, is not just for individuals, but for the body of Christ and the church. God, the Bible shows how God speaks to both individuals about their sin and to the whole community of his people about their collective sin. Because of this, we reject the notion that truth is relative and personal. Free Methodists embrace the common truths that are essential to the lives of disciples, to the lives of disciples of Jesus. Uh, The next thing, the fifth thing, is that Scripture points us to Jesus. Jesus is the central figure of Scripture. You probably knew that already, but just in case you didn't, Jesus is the central figure of Scripture. He is the work of creation. Uh, He does the work of of creation. He will return again. Jesus is the Word made flesh and reflects the fulfillment of everything said in the law and the prophets. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, They point us to the story of God working through Jesus for the redemption of all things. Amen? Jesus is the central figure, and I love it. John 1, 1 through 4, another well-known passage says, In the beginning was the word, in the beginning the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. And his life, that is the life of Jesus, brought light to everyone. And in verse 14, uh, a verse we know and we'll say again in these weeks coming up. So the word became human and made his home among us. Or the, sometimes we like to say this from the message, the word put on flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood, <laughs> right? He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. We can go home. <laughs> All right? 
I can't wait to reflect more and more on this truth in the weeks to come as we get closer to Advent and Christmas. We're only a few weeks away from that. Isn't that crazy? I love uh, tracking uh, how the Old Testament, did you know in Advent, the normal progression of scriptures, our Old Testament, and then the, the closer you get to uh, Christmas, you focus on the New Testament passages, but they all point to who Jesus is and what the promise that Jesus fulfills uh, in his coming. Isn't that great? I can't wait. Christmas, here we come. Sorry, Christina. I know she's like, you got to hang on. We got to get to, we got to get past Thanksgiving, but uh, I don't know. Last one. Uh, scripture is our true home. Bishop Matt writes uh, just how the scripture is our home, and this is beautiful. He says, when thinking of scripture as our true home, home we need to think our, are true, and we need to think of home in a broader terms than just location where we live. Home is a place that gives us shelter and support. It gives us a sense of identity and purpose. It provides a place to come back to when we're feeling lost and alone. And it's where we find others who are struggling along with us to experience unconditional love, grace, and mercy. Isn't that awesome? Scripture is where we belong. It's where we find what we need. It's where the Lord speaks to us. It's a safe place where we can ask our questions and come with our doubts because the scriptures and God can handle that. Bishop Matt tells this story at the end of his article and I think a number of us have experienced something like this. He says, while visiting a member of our church in a nursing home, it was obvious that she was very confused. I was not sure she even knew who I was, and at the conclusion of our brief visit, I began to quote some verses of scripture. I was astonished that she spoke the very verse that I quoted out loud right along with me. It was so clear that God's word was hidden deep in her heart, and that even the fog of dementia could not dissuade. Her true home was the Bible, and she had spent her life living there. Oh, isn't that so great? I hope you will join me. And I know you have all gone before me in some of this, or some of you have. I want to be living in the true home of scripture. Amen? I hope today has been encouraging and inspiring as we think about that, as we think about this last value of who we are. I just want to end. We're going we're gonna to watch uh, the video that we've been watching pretty much each week. But I want to end with Psalm 119. Uh, just, uh, we're not going to read the whole thing because that sucker is long. Uh, but we're going to read 168 to 175. Even you're like, wait, there's like a hundred. Yep, there's a lot of verses. All right, here we go. It says this. I will keep your instructions and follow your counsel. All my ways are an open book before you. Lord, listen to my prayer. It's like a sacrifice I bring to you. I must have more revelation of your word. Take my words to heart when I ask you. Lord, rescue me just like you promised. I offer you my joyous praise for all that you've taught me. Your wonderful words will become my song of worship. For everything you've commanded is perfect and true. Place your hands of strength and favor upon me, for I've made my choice to follow your ways. I wait for your deliverance. O Lord, for your words thrill me like nothing else. Invigorate my life so that I can praise you even more. And may your truth be my strength. Amen? Amen. Worship team, would you come back? Let's watch this video, and then we'll pray and sing together.